Welcome to the Respectful Divorce Podcast. If you're considering a divorce, it's important to know that you have options for how you divorce. On the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we explore those options and provide advice from divorce professionals. On today's edition of the Respectful Divorce Podcast, we're talking with Michelle Cortez Harkins, Nancy Smith, and E. Darby Harrington from Collaborative Divorce Vermont. Welcome to the podcast today, all three of you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. So let's let's kind of begin and just sort of talk a little about how you all and why you got involved in collaborative divorce. For me, for me, Tim, it started um, probably about 13 or 14 years ago, uh, the old fashioned way. A, a colleague took me out to lunch and t- started to tell me about collaborative divorce, something I'd never heard about previously. And I had been doing divorce work for a while and um, found it to be challenging and difficult for all of the um, obvious reasons. And when this colleague began telling me about this alternative method to get divorced that would uh, that allows people to divorce more with dignity and respect between the parties so they can continue to have uh, positive co-parenting relationships. And it's not as destructive, perhaps, as the traditional model of, of court involved divorce. I thought, great, let's let's do this. I want to hear more about it. And then I was invited to a meeting with a bunch of professionals who were in, interested in the same thing. And that's how it started for me. And it's just grown since then here in Vermont. Um, it's it's It was a few lawyers that I was working with at that time. And now we've got many professionals between attorneys, mental health professionals, and financial professionals who are involved in collaborative divorce in Vermont. And, and Michelle, you uh, are one of those financial professionals. How did how did you get involved? Uh, first, thank you for having me. Um, yes, so I have been doing financial planning um, since about 2005, and I had started to see a lot of um, women who had come to see me post divorce, and I just thought, wow, you know, it's really interesting to see how a settlement looks after the divorce is finished. And I wonder if there's a way to influence it on the other side. And so I started um, after a couple of of years working with attorneys to develop um, settlement proposals. And, you know, it was mostly litigation and it just, it never felt really good in terms of the outcome. You know, there was a lot of back and forth. And I was lucky enough to meet someone when I was on the Association of Divorce Financial Professionals Board, Lori Lustberg, who was part of the Vermont group and asked me if I wanted to attend a meeting. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I found my people. These are professionals who are really looking at um, the divorce process in a more holistic view and just um, understanding that it doesn't have to be win-lose, but it actually can be a process that can work for everyone. So that's how I got involved. And and then Nancy, you've kind of been one of one of the flag bearers for collaborative in Vermont. How did you get involved? Well, thanks, uh, Tim. And I, I echo what uh, Darby and, and Michelle have said. So I first got into it in around 2005. I had just come home back to the office from court. It was a particularly ugly uh, child custody battle. Um, and it was in an email 
and it just said collaborative divorce. I'm like, what's that? So I clicked on it and um, saw the book by Pauline Tesler and read it, ordered it, read it. And I was, I was hooked. I said, oh my God, this sounds so reasonable, so sensible, modern, approachable. Uh, why wouldn't everybody want to do it? And then we <laughs> spent about 15 years uh, building our practice group. And now more people know about it and more people are practicing it. And I'm so grateful for Michelle um, coming in as a financial neutral. She's completely leveled up our game and Darby and everybody that's been part of it for so long. It's it's really been wonderful to watch it grow. So as you've seen it grow, uh, what have you seen that the impact has been on families who have chosen to go down the collaborative path? Well, I think the change is monumental. It's a transformational opportunity for a couple to not hate each other at the end of the process. And that's just rare and different and um, hopeful and uplifting. So I think it provides people a high degree of hope that they can co-parent effectively, that they can um, continue to have family traditions that they can really put their money where their mouth is when they say that they want to have a family in two homes. And that takes a lot of effort and support. So that's why I like doing the, the practice with the team model, interdisciplinary team model really just uh, allows everybody that safe space to, to grapple with all the challenging transformational emotions that are showing up. So, Michelle, the, the neutrals play a really important part, as Nancy's talking about the team. Uh, and, and it's not just about lawyers. It's about the uh, the other professionals who uh, uh, sometimes are sort of the secret sauce to making collaborative work. Uh, uh, tell me about about your experiences as a financial neutral in the work that you do in a collaborative divorce. Yeah, so it's really interesting because I think that oftentimes when you go into the process, there's usually one person who's been acting as the CFO for the family. Like they're the ones that know all the financials, understand where things are kept. Um, and it's usually just the division of labor that happens in a marriage, right? One person's taking on a certain role. So as a financial neutral, it's a really nice opportunity to be able to level the playing field, as it were, like getting the other spouse up to speed as to what do their assets look like? What do their expenses look like? How can they um, actually manage their cash flow? Or how do they have money that's coming in and how is it spent? So I think it's just another way to provide education and support to the couple as they're getting married. And the financial neutral is also there to give them ideas. So there are just so many creative ways that you can look at a settlement. And I think that having options and bringing in that creativity is really what gets me excited because it's not just a cookie cutter. You're going to get this and you're going to get that. But it's like, what can we do to make it work for both people? I've heard it said that that fear is, and particularly fear of what my life will look like after the divorce financially is the biggest challenge in any divorce. Uh, how do you help people see what their their life might look like after the divorce? Yeah, so I'm really, um, as Darby and Nancy know, very cash flow basis uh, oriented. So I like seeing what income they have coming in, you know, helping them do projections, like saying, you know, if you were to get this settlement or if things were to be divided in this way, how does that impact you not just today, but 
let's look at it five years down the road. Let's look at it when you're getting close to retirement, because I think those are the pieces that are often unclear, even for a regular person, they're unclear. But when you're going through such a big financial shift, I think it's really important to kind of play out what that might look like. You know, is this enough for you? Will you be able to save? Will you be able to maintain your style, your lifestyle? So it's a pretty in-depth exercise, but I think it gives individuals some sense of security in saying, okay, you know, I'm not going to end up with absolutely nothing. You know, there are going to be some variables there, but I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. So uh, we've got this podcast, the Respectful Divorce Podcast. There's an event coming up that's Divorce with Respect Week. Darby, what does what does divorcing with respect look like to you? Well, to me, as a professional who's been through many divorces with a, a lot of people, um, it means um, working together to control the narrative for your own transition out of marriage. And, you know, there's a lot of um, stigma attached to divorce these days or has always been. And working in the collaborative divorce setting allows the parties to um, come up with a narrative that suits their family and can diffuse some of that stigma and shame or fear of judgment that is so often attached to divorce. And so, you know, divorcing with respect, of course, it means respecting each other and your family enough to um, work collaboratively to reach an outcome that works for you. But it also means, you know, just dictating the narrative that you want for your family to move forward in a more um, cohesive approach that um, doesn't necessarily fit what a lot of people believe divorce to mean. And the opportunity is there through collaborative divorce. It's there. And you have a team of individuals working with you to uh, reach that point. And um, like Michelle said, it is a much more holistic way to approach divorce. And it is highly effective and helps people have the respect that they hope to, to have when going through this difficult time. And and uh, I I think that I understand it to be the case that a lot of times when it goes to court, when it's a litigated uh, case, uh, respect really uh, takes a back seat uh, to win at all costs. Would that be accurate? I think a lot of attorneys try to maintain it, but it's very difficult in that context because the court process is pretty cut and dried. And um, if the parties can't reach agreement through settlement with their attorneys or mediation before they hit the courtroom, you have a stranger on a bench in a robe who's going to make decisions for your family and they don't even know you. So um, the respect piece does get um, stripped down a bit, but I think even more, it's just that lack of autonomy that people experience when they have to leave a stranger um, in charge of their life decisions. And that's a very difficult thing to have to reconcile. Um, so Nancy, can you can you add to that from your perspective about, about divorcing with respect and the challenges of, of maintaining that respect when you go to court? Sure. Um, I think I like to look at divorce through the lens of grief first and foremost. And so by the time you end up in court, it could be six months to a year, maybe two years down the road. And the parties, the couple have rarely spoken to each other and their lawyers often keep them separate. And 
and there's not a lot of opportunity to grieve all the losses that are attendant to any divorce. And so I don't know that it's so much about respect in the courtroom because, you know, lawyers have a job. We're in an adversarial system. The judge requires a certain amount of decorum. People, but people do bring their worst moments uh, to the forefront to be, you know, to somehow persuade a court, the judge, that their position is correct. And I feel like that does a disservice to clients who could use that six months to a year to two to really um, have the support of a team, do their mental health coaching and counseling and get clear about what their goals are, start to operate from a sense of uh, compassion and confidence so that they can become wholehearted and healthy by the time the divorce is over instead of bitter and resentful. And I just think that the adversarial system generates a lot of bitterness and resentment after the fact. I'm not sure if it's as much about the respect, um, but about bitterness, resentment, and a failure to grieve the losses. And I think the collaborative model offers clients an opportunity to just relax, take a deep breath, recognize, like Michelle said, that you're not going to be a bag person. You're not going to be on the street. You're going to be okay. You know, maybe you don't understand the finances, but that's okay. That's why we have Michelle here. And um, and I can know as an attorney that if I'm working on a case with Darby, for example, I know that no one's going to be trying to stab me in the back. I can just take a, I, as the professional, I can just relax for a moment and just take a deep breath, support my clients, advocate for them what they need and know that it'll be received in a supportive um, manner because we're working as a team. So in, in your opinions, um, uh, how would you rank um, the processes of divorce in terms of what's what order things should take from the, the best to the worst? Um, uh, I don't know that any of you would say that the best is, is litigation, but but uh, how do you how do you sort of rank the different divorce processes? A good question. I'll take a stab at it. I mean, I would say collaborative is probably the best, um, you know, in terms of just the process, the outcome, the support that you get. I think support is underrated in divorce. I think people need a lot of emotional support. Um, so collaborative, I would say, offers that the most. And then I would say secondly would be mediation. So some type of mediated process where um, you can, you know, you have a neutral helping you um, come to an agreement. <clears throat> and I would say thirdly would be litigation. Um, I think because of all the reasons that Nancy and Darby have pointed out. Um, and from my experience, it's really hard when two people aren't communicating face to face, like they're going back and forth through written correspondence because you can't get to that emotional piece. It's just a piece of paper and someone is asking you to do something and you can't read the context behind it. So for me, anything that involves two people talking together as they're going through the process is probably the ideal. Yeah. Darby, Nancy, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I think conceptually speaking, um, from a, a large scale, I completely agree with Michelle that that collaborative is by far the best method um, for people to get divorced. And then mediation, of course, with a neutral who's trying to facilitate settlement um, is another good op option. And traditional divorce through the court process, through litigation, would be my last option. Um, however. You know, I think 
not everyone can fit into each one of those processes. So it really depends on the divorcing couple. It de depends on the circumstances um, when determining which method is best for them, because circumstances can sometimes dictate that litigation is necessary or that collaborative may not be the best fit for them. It, you know, it really depends. And that's a judgment call, I think, for attorneys to make most of the time, but also perhaps mental health professionals being involved um, in making that decision is, is a good idea. Um, above all else, I think the, the most important thing is for two parties to be willing to cooperate with one another to reach settlement, whether you're in collaborative or mediation or even litigation. If you have two parties who are, are committed to trying to work things out and find an outcome that's customized for them, best for them, then um, that's the best way to go. Nancy, anything from your, your perspective on that? No, I think my colleagues nailed it. Um, I agree with Darby. You know, each case has to be individually assessed. And I, I think I agree. The highlights are, are you attending to your emotional um, landscape? Are you getting the support that you need? Do you understand the finances? Are you going to need a coach? How are you doing mental? How's your mental health? Because we all know that some person who's finally asked for the divorce has probably been thinking about it for about a year or so before they finally get the courage to tell their spouse. And then the other spouse is like, what? What are you talking about? Like, where is this coming from? And so they're often shocked. And so you need time to process um, how is your life going to evolve and um, choosing your divorce option is, is really the first uh, step. And it's also a real gift that you could give to your spouse. If it turns out that you can actually have enough personal insight and resources to pull yourselves together, to come to the table, to recognize that you need support, that you need help communicating that trust maybe has broken down, that you need some accountability and and you're not in a rush and you can just take a deep breath and know that everything will be done correctly and kindly. And that's a real gift, I think, that you can give to your spouse if you're thinking about getting divorced. And so if uh, someone is interested in contacting uh, each of you for some additional conversation uh, about their needs, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Well, our group has a website called collaborativedivorcevermont.com, and that's spelled out, collaborativedivorcevermont.com, um, which has all of the uh, professionals in our region who are involved in collaborative practice and are trained, experienced professionals, uh, whether attorneys, financial neutrals, or, or mental health professionals. So that's a good place to find us. Um, there's also the um, IACP, the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals, is also a place for people to find a ton of good resources and uh, links to find folks in their area who are collaboratively trained professionals. Yeah. And we'll put that information in the show notes as well uh, so that uh, there are opportunities for people to learn more uh, about collaborative divorce. We appreciate you all joining us today on the Respectful Divorce Podcast. Thank you so much, Tim. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Tim. This reminder that Divorce with Respect Week is March 6th through 10th. For more information, go to divorcewithrespectweek.com, where you can schedule to talk with a divorce professional in your area. This is Tim Krause reminding you that collaborative divorce is a better way to untie the knots.